So then what happens is that women who are desiring leadership and the masculine and not toxic masculinity, a, a wonderful, beautiful, masculine expression of the Father, of God, to be present in their home, to lead spiritually, to lead relationally, to lead from a provision and a protection standpoint, right? All the things, because there's a vacuum, there has been a vacuum there. Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. All right, what up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Authentic Conversations. I'm just gonna get this out of the way, right out of the gate. I'm a little sniffly, I'm a little nasally, nasally because at the time of recording, uh, I am about a week out of COVID, uh, just a little bit longer than that, I guess. Uh, and I'm great, things are good. You've probably seen it, you've probably heard it on social media somewhere. Uh, so thank God for that. I'm definitely praising God for mild symptoms and quick recovery and I'm back to doing life. And part of doing life life is getting to jump into the conversations that I've been having uh, throughout this season. Uh, we have been predominantly uh, talking with other men about what it means to be men. And this particular guy, J.D. Krause, I met him in Tennessee of all places. I don't live there, though I do love that. I uh, love Tennessee, Nashville particularly. I say it's the best city in the entire country, in my opinion. Uh, JD and I are in a uh, in a mastermind, uh, Christian uh, businessmen that are really focused on becoming the best men we can be in our professional lives, personal lives, spiritual lives, financially. And so uh, we got together a couple of months back uh, and we just dug into what that meant. And I got to meet JD. We had a really good but quick conversation. I thought, man, he'd be really good to have on the podcast. So here he is. This is the first time that we're talking since then. And so you are going to be under the gun, buddy, but thank you so much for being here. Absolutely, Ryan. Uh, it's good to get to meet you in Nashville and, and I'm happy to be here. Happy to have this conversation. Uh, you hit a uh, you hit a very uh, tender spot for me. It's near and dear to my heart. So that's good, man. Fun. And if you're watching, you just know how cool he is because he's got a big American flag in the background. And uh, so so you just know he's a cool dude uh, right out of the gate. All right. So I've been trying to preface most of our conversations um, with this. And so there are a lot, uh, there's a lot of discussion or talk around manhood and what it means to be a man. And so I'm always interested to hear people's uh, perspective on that or definition of that. So for you, JD, if someone was to say, or if I'm to say right now, like, what does it mean to you to be a man? Uh, what what kind of comes to mind? How do you define that? How do you how do you articulate that for people? Well, I think for me, I have to go all the way back to the beginning. And uh, when God created man, he and woman, he created us in his image and likeness. And so we are the Imago Dei. We're the image and likeness of our creator. He happened to have created the heavens and the earth, like he created everything. That's the worldview that I uh, subscribe to. That's my point of view. And so um, with that, though, um, 
there were a lot of years. I didn't, I didn't come into a relationship with Jesus until I was 25. I didn't grow up in the church. Um, and I got saved at an Amway convention. It was a real deal, uh, in Fort Worth, <laughs> Texas. Um, it's kind of a crazy, crazy story. A lot of people get a kick out of that, but, uh, I know, you know what? I don't normally do this cause I haven't heard the rest of you explain that, but we just have to pause. Like I have to hear <laughs> how in the heck, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. We got to hear that. What happened? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, um, a buddy of mine had been, you know, drawing the circles and pursuing the Amway dream. And, uh, he talked me into <laughs> going to, a Amway convention in Fort Worth. And the, the God side of the story was that there was a leader, a successful guy. He was also, I, I think he was uh, head. He had like 2000 people underneath him, whatever his title was COO or something of a big hospital in Little Rock, Arkansas. I lived at Oklahoma in Oklahoma at the time. And he had been dripping on me, the Lord, he was a believer and the Lord had been working uh, on me through him. And, um, and to the credit of the leaders, the guys that were really making the money, I never made a nickel in Amway. Um, they, uh, they always on Sundays, I guess it became, you know, it was part of their culture. They had a church service and they had a guy present the gospel and they had worship and a whole enchilada. And, uh, and the Lord just tugged on my heart and I went forward and, uh, man, it was a real deal. Like, but like, you don't hear that very much. Right. <laughs> I um, love that because, you know, I have, I have myself, you know, maybe more often than I should poked fun at MLMs. Um, but in this case, dude, it worked. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's the very best thing, very best thing that ever happened to me. And oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, I stumbled around there. I'll, I'll just fast forward through my testimony just a little bit, but I stumbled around, didn't really get plugged in anywhere, didn't get discipled. And I was trying to read my Bible and I was honestly living pretty much like a hellion, like, like not a, not a lot had changed. Hmm. And, uh, one night I just prayed and I said, Lord, I need you to please send me a godly woman. Like, I don't know if I can do this on my own. Like, I don't think I can. And 30 days later, I met my wife and we were married a year and a half later. And, and, uh, I mean, there's a lots of really cool things. Um, she's the second best thing that ever happened to me. And, and so her dad, um, it's like a spiritual father to me, just a wonderful example of what it means to, to walk with the Lord and serve and, and all that. And, uh, I don't really know where I was going with all of this, but I, I think I do for 15 years as a believer. Um, I, I was frustrated. I was just like in church. I was plugged in. I was in men's groups. I was a youth pastor for a while, uh, you know, and I was very involved and, but I was just like, I, I always kind of like felt like a fish out of water. Hmm. And for me about six years ago, so this gets back to what is, what is uh, man for me, the mystery of the kingdom of heaven got unlocked in my spirit about six, seven years ago. And um, I used to believe as a believer that um the earth is basically going to hell in a handbasket and that we're to just wait for the sweet by and by to wait, wait for the second coming of Christ, which is true. And I do anticipate his coming. I pray that I'm, um, I'm ready, you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, it changed for me, uh, six or seven years ago. I need to get that date kind of, but it was generally in that time frame that I, I began to understand that, um, I was a saint 
and that I was an heir to the kingdom of heaven, just like you, um, that, um, that God first loved us before there was sin in the, in the earth. And Jesus redeemed us back into that Adamic covenant. And, there, and there's, I'm, I'm just getting, I'm going right into it. But, yeah. but for me, who is man? Okay. We uh, have been given dominion over the earth. Okay. To steward it over, over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air and everything that crawls and walks on the earth. Right. And um, it's a beautiful, redeeming, hope filled uh, commandment or invitation to be given that. And so many of us, me included, for a really, really long time, um, have have walked around just neutered, emasculated, uh, uh, in an effeminate um, environment in the church, outside of the church, where we don't walk in that knowledge, that knowing, not only knowing here, but putting on the robe of righteousness. And so um, what is man? It's like one of my most favorite topics um because god has just done a redeeming work in me and uh and i believe that you know there's scripture the whole earth is is groaning for the sons of man to be awakened and i believe that 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 he is advancing his kingdom and that he is working through guys like you guys like me through through a lot of guys that we're connected with to awaken man to become who we are intended to be. Yeah, that's so good. That, that was that was way way more and way better than, than I thought I was going to get an answer. And I, I love that because you know there's a, there's quite a few people that listen to this podcast that aren't Christians that don't have that perspective of faith. And so, first of all, um, I just think that's a wonderful articulation of both what God intended as well as what God is doing for us as men and, and as human beings. And I think that's something that people need to listen to and really need to pay attention to and take to heart because it is life-changing. And um, there's obviously a lot more that goes into it than just that, but just that's wonderful. And something else, you know, that it, it made me think of when you were talking about what you were talking about was... Um, so I didn't come to faith until I was 28. Most people have heard the story. Uh, it was near broken marriage, almost going to get a divorce, let us into church. Somebody had been pushing and prodding at me to go. We finally accepted invitation to go. And, uh, anyway, uh, so it took about a year for that kind of to take root for us. And after about a year or so, um, we, and I'd, I'd married my best friend, like our, our marriage is kind of getting back together. And then we start in this young married Bible study. And early on, um, we're talking about the roles of husbands and wives and we go to Ephesians, right. And, um, you know, and one of the worst things that a non-Christian or a, um, uh, ignorant Christian even can hear is when Paul gives the command for wives to submit to their husbands. And I was an ignorant Christian at the time. And I'm like, all right, like now we're, we're in, you know, like, baby, did you hear that? I can and, buy into this. <laughs> it's like, first of all, I totally missed this, the passage right before that says I'm basically to die to myself in order to serve my wife. Uh, but I just heard and I stuck to that. And then today, when we think about talk about, you know, just like the destruction of role and identity, and it's like, no way would a woman ever submit to a man. Um, 
Um, but what I learned as I went on and understanding what that meant was the only way with first God got at work, but beyond that, the only way that that was ever going to happen in my relationship was going to be if I behaved as if the first, the, the, the verse before that was true. Like if I was not willing and desiring and continuing to act out this commitment to die to myself imperfectly, definitely, but to die to myself every single day, to serve my way, my wife, to love her unconditionally, to do whatever I could to be there for her, to support her, to understand that every single time that I needed to make a decision for uh, as a leader in the home or 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 in our family, that that I was doing so understanding the weight by which I was making these decisions that I had to earn her trust and I had to earn her respect. Then all of a sudden, this idea of submission was, was the result of her trusting in what I had lived out in my role as a husband first. And, and it was, it was this, it was this redeeming idea. It was just this, this, this identity that had been restored that, I had never seen before. So, you know, you saying what you said just makes me think that there's just so many twisted um, perspectives on manhood today. Uh, and they happen in the church too, absolutely. But, you know, the most broken one of all is ultimately never going to be corrected until people understand where we ultimately came from. And what Christ did on our behalf, because if that's not there, I mean, there, I know a lot of really good men that don't believe in Jesus and I would never take anything away from the life that they're living and the good that they do and the human beings that they are, but there's just a piece that's always going to be missing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you have this really like big perspective change in life. Um, you, you're, you're brought up, you grow up a certain way. You're, you're living in a way that you would, you definitely say not honoring to the Lord, but not something that you were probably proud of to that point. And so as you start to make shifts, where, where were some of the more challenging places that you found, uh, uh, yourself, um, in that made it hard for you to live out that new role that you, that you felt you were called to? Ironically or, or not, I really, I, it, maybe, it, maybe it was at the time, but in my mind now, I, I didn't find that like dying to myself and coming into full uh, awareness of my, of my sin was that hard. Like, like when I say that, that I accepted Christ, like it was kind of hook, line and sinker, like the whole enchilada. The, I mean, not the whole enchilada. I couldn't have handled all of his glory, right? Still, still can't. But um, understanding the depth at which he saved me, the casting my sins as far as the east is from the west, and and how how freeing that was. Um, okay, wait. Can, so, can I stop you there? So, yeah. Why do you think that that? sunk in so well so quickly for you i mean i i think it was a work of the holy spirit i think it it, it wasn't i mean maybe i was confronted with my deep need like mm. the the gaping hole that i had um 
And then, and then he, his grace and mercy just so lovingly filled that as, as we've, we've experienced those of us who have experienced that. Um, I I really don't know, but, um, I, I, this might go a little bit different direction than you might think. Um, the hardest thing for me was, yeah, I was a red blooded American. I competed at a high level in rodeo. I I qualified for the national finals rodeo in two events 21 years ago and, um, competed full-time for five years. And, I didn't know how the thing that I struggled with the most was uh, a giving up chewing. And that took me five (laughs) or six years, three or four years. Um, And I wasn't like just Copenhagen drooling out of my mouth. All I couldn't chew Copenhagen. I was a big spit guy. I was like a red man guy. Um, And I did it when I was bored. I just did it. I was riding horses eight hours, nine hours a day. And, and, uh, but that was, that was challenging, but, um, the hardest thing for me was um, how to be like Jesus. What would Jesus do in every moment, including my competing? And I honestly, I never really got um, to where I kind of am today or I, or I ended up getting to at the end of my career um, while I was in my prime. And I, I, I lost my edge um, in, in an effort to be. I don't know, in an effort to be the kind of Christian that I thought I was supposed to be. I guess that's probably the best way I could say it. Mm. And it didn't mean that I didn't still win. It didn't mean that I still didn't compete at a high level, but I lost my edge a little bit, if I'm honest with myself. Now, did did the Lord fill that void and did I win more than I would have ever won? Probably so. But I know now that, you know, even watching movies like For Love of the Game and, um, understanding better. I've coached a lot in the last 15 years, my kids and different things and understanding what it's like to play free, how important that is when we're competing to, to literally not have any ties that by not have any, anything that you're kind of dragging along or that you're, you have one foot on the, on the clutch or on the brake. And so for me, um, looking back now with much, a much, you know, different perspective rearview mirror, um, that was the thing that I struggled with the, the, the most is, well, how to be, how to be a husband, number one, how to be a husband and how to serve and lead well and what that looks like. And, and I'm just going to say it. Most of the Christian marriage counseling out there, like I hate, and I've had, and I've been through a lot of them, like, like the, like the tapes and the, the live events and stuff. The best thing I ever heard was. Men have blue megaphones and blue ear hearing aids and women have pink ones and pink hearing aids. And so when we're talking, we're talking through a blue megaphone and they're hearing it through a pink hearing aid. And most of the time they don't hear it the way we say it and vice versa. Like of all the things I've gone through and read, that is like the, like when I heard that I almost fell over backwards in my chair. Right. I was like, <laughs> preach. I mean, like that is the that is the truest thing I've ever heard. And it all makes sense now. Like I got, I'm, I'm going to be a good husband now, you know, (laughs) not that it fixed everything, but so, so like being a good husband was the hardest and then learning how to compete. And, uh, but it all comes back into identity. The reality was as a believer, I was operating as a sinner 
saved by grace, hmm. not a saint who occasionally sins. And it, if you really chew on it, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, but there is a, it seems, it seems really small, nuanced difference, but it couldn't be any bigger. Hmm. And um, for me, understanding that I really am a saint, that, that, that I screw up, but that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. That's not my identity. And I'm not perfect. Um, but, but that I, it just, it changed everything for me. So I don't know if I answered your question. No, that's good, man. Okay. So something in there that you said is an area that I have over and over again, pursued, explored, and I, I just haven't been able to find anything really good. And it's this idea of winning as a Christian. And, you know, again, there, there is tons of terrible information out there. Um, there's a lot of people that abuse it, you know, the prosperity gospel and anybody that follows it, even a lot of these garbage coaches that are out there that claim to be Christians um, that are all about God wants you to have all this stuff. And like, there's like an underlying truth to it, but right. it's not like this stuff specifically it's God just wants you to have an abundance of joy and however he lays it out for you, it's going to look different. So it's like, so, so that's all out there, but what I actually find more frustrating than anything. And it sounds actually like this is part of what you dealt with was we don't find anybody, or I don't personally find anybody that's really teaching us how to win well as Christians. You know, it's like, um, we, we hear all about the grace of God and it's like, I kind of take my hands off and God's going to work and I'm going to let him do his thing. But we seem to miss all of the scripture around, like Paul was like, the uh, the apostle Paul was like the, the the grace of all grace guys, and yet he talked so much about tension, pressing on, striving, and, and we haven't I done the race. Yeah, the and race. We, yeah, and we haven't done a good job of really digging into that. And so I feel like there's a lot of good Christian men out there that are afraid to fight to win because somehow that's going to make them less Christian, or it's gonna it's gonna cause them to fall into greed, and it's gonna it's like. Yes, maybe, but if we treated everything else that way, then we would never have sex with our wives because, you know, we would just fall into like sexual, you know, uh, lust and misconduct all the time. And so it's like, so have you done any more digging in that area since that time to, to kind of figure out how, like why that happened to you the way that it did, or maybe like even overcorrecting now because you're successful in business now, which means you've had to learn how to fight to win. And so like, how do you see that? Well, a, I haven't arrived. Like, um, I, I have, I think that I have perspective and victory. Um, I think there's more, there's more levels that, that are available to me, um, in this, but here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say that I think is a, um, it's a, it's a epidemic, um, in worship centers all across America. Um, because and it's it's man's fault. It's our fault. This is my perspective. Okay, because because man abdicated their authority on earth all the way back in the garden. Okay, okay, we still abdicate it today. And so then, what happens is that women who are desiring leadership 
and the masculine and not toxic masculinity, a, a wonderful, beautiful masculine expression of the father of God to be present in their home, to lead spiritually, to lead relationally, to lead from a provision and a protection standpoint, right? All the things, because there's a vacuum, there has been a vacuum there, all right? Because man continues, I did, I have in various areas of my life um, that the Lord has exposed to me, abdicated, meaning we've turned over our responsibility to be man, to be little K king, submitted to the king of kings, to be saint, to be heir, right? To protect and provide and show up and also apologize and love well, right? All the things um, that women come in there. And it's a beautiful thing. If you know guys that have been raised by single moms, my God, there's not a, there's not a stronger type human on the earth than a, than a mom who steps up to be both dad and mom. Right. Um, however, it has a negative consequence because, um, then you end up, you end up with, with a lot of women wanting to raise good little boys. Okay. And you see that so much in the church and, and quite frankly, most, um, not all, but most worship center models in America are led by an, a very feminine leaning or leading uh, group of elders, typically senior pastor, teacher, right? And so it's, it's permeated, it's permeated the, the church, our faith, and it's, and it's indoctrinated and emasculated man, okay? And so, um, Part of it for me was being able to see that in right perspective. I think that I see it much, much better according to the word of God than I ever have. Um, not that I see it perfectly and to kind of, and to kind of be able to hold that in that light mm -hmm. and, and then, okay, say, what is my role then? How am I to operate? Because I got to tell you, if you're not careful, if you get in a feedback loop, you know this, if you get into a, um, a community, if you get into a body of people that have a similar um, belief, um, it, it's almost impossible to hold a belief that is contrary to that overarching, very, very subtle um, thing. but. But but I actually believe <laughs> that it's it's planted there by the enemy of our soul to be able to pull warriors and pull men that are called to lead, to show up, to be an authentic man, to, to either get them out of there and, and completely unplug from that, which creates a more more of what we just said. The mom stepping into that role because she wants to drag her kids to church and all honorable, well-intended things, right? But it all falls right back on man. And so um, I don't know, it, it, my answer is not in the context of competing. It's more in the context of life, but it bleeds over. And so <clears throat> for me, like, I'm more free now, if, if we've all been around guys 
that when you when you see them, like I, I see that in you and a little bit of time I spent with you, but you stand and you're solid, right? I believe that you know who you are, right? And you're good with it. And and if you were to compete in that state, you're not competing for some type of performance identity that is that your ego's out there real sensitive. And if you don't perform well or you don't win, then then your 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 identity is loser. Right. It's like it's like, no, 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 no. That's that's a trap. Right. But we see that, especially high level, like they're just wrecked when they lose. Mm. Right. And so it's hard. It's hard to put it all out there and strive, strive in a good way, like want to win and then not. And it it's a it's a test of emotional intelligence and uh, and 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 taking our thoughts captive. And it's an exercise in 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 disciplining of our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, all of those things. And it ain't easy. And right here in this office, about two months ago, I was on a Zoom call just like this with some executives um, on the executive team, was on the executive team. And I like got wrapped around the axle. I I was ready to take this laptop and throw it out the window into the <laughs> lobby of the bank. Right. And I and and so I can sit here and I can say all these things, but just know that, uh, especially in this day and age, when everybody's at a sensitivity level, just walking around, I don't know about you, but we're, we're at, we're so full of frustration often that, that it just doesn't take much. And, and this, the last two years has just been a, a me getting to practice, trying to get my peace back like trying to steward my peace. And, and so that's how I would answer it. It's, it's a, it's a big thing, but when we begin to see it, then we can begin to either we can identify it and then take it for what it is and then begin to hold it in the light, take those thoughts captive, maybe, maybe step back from that community or that thing for a time and press into the press into the Lord directly, and uh, and then get back in community. But that's that's kind of the the last ten or twelve years exercise that I've been through. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's really good. I mean, I, I think it's you know through a lot of what you said. I mean, I, I just don't think that there's a lot of people that are modeling it well, which that creates massive problems. Um, again, just, you know, picking on the church a little bit, because I guess we can, um, you know, it's, it's just not modeled there. And, but a big part of it is the failure of the man. It's because they don't participate well in church, even when they go, uh, they're not usually uh, deeply invested. And so it is the women that are invested. It's the children that are invested. And so then the churches pivot towards that. Um, and so, you know, they're just, they're not being taught well, they're not continuing to be like pulled and dragged into those environments, being told that they have to, um, you know, as much as we don't want to drop the law, sometimes we have to, and this is an area that, you know, we definitely do. And so I think that's super important and something that, you know, I I heard you allude to, you know, a few different times in there. And then I think the other thing that you spoke to, that's so important for us to think about. So, you know, when you talk about like this, this sense of freedom, and it's just so freeing, it's crazy to me because um, once I really leaned into being a Christian in in the business world, um, 
I began to have more freedom than I ever did in the sense that if I believe that ultimately God's will is going to work itself out perfectly no matter what, and part of God's will, he's going to bring the people to me that are going to buy from me, the people to me that are going to reject me. Like if it's all ultimately in his control, then I have the freedom to do what I want and say what I want whenever I want it. Like, I don't want to be an idiot about it. Like, I'm not going to jump out of an airplane without a parachute. But at the same time, it's like, I... I definitely still battle from time to time fear of of losing or or not being seen as, you know, I want to be seen or whatever. Like there's always that tension there. But ultimately, one of the things that I love the most about doing what I'm doing for myself is I just get to be me and I get to let God work that all out. You know, the clients that want to work with me that do. Uh, When I got um, you know, the more vocal that I get, uh, and, and I ebb and flow through this, but the more vocal I get about my faith, you know, I watch as people pull away and other people lean in. When I talk about politics or even my COVID experience, certain people pull away, certain people lean in. But it's like, this is just who I am. This is who God made me That's to right. be. And like, I can only win to the degree that God is going to allow anyway. So why don't I just go out there and let it fly and watch God work? That's right. Um, but again, that that's not even taught. You know, it's like, you know, when, when, I don't know, it's just, there's so much brokenness in this area. And I wish that we would see, which is one of the reasons why, by the way, I love ISI, which Iron Sharpens Iron is the mastermind that JD and I are in, and we're in different groups, but we're part of a, a, a much larger group of men. And what I love about that is, is here's a group of, even when we were in Tennessee, you know, there was a hundred guys all in the room together that were everything from, you know, probably sub six figure earners all the way up to, you know, guys that are like running half a billion dollar companies. And Everybody is trying to do the same thing, which is be the ultimate best version of themselves in the workplace, in the home, in the church. And again, they're not all nailing it in all areas. We're not nailing it in all areas. But I felt that energy of like, dude, we're, we're done with mediocrity. You know, like, you know, it, it's not about consumption of all this stuff, but at the same time, I want to lean into everything that's available to me. I want to exercise that hunger and that desire that God has put inside of me. And I'm sick and tired of people telling me that like, I can't, or I shouldn't, because somehow that's like less godly, you know, to do that. So I love that you said so much of that stuff. Yeah. I, if I may, uh, yeah. So I, I so resonate with Peter in the Bible, right? He was the only (laughs) disciple that got out of the boat and walked on water for a time until he got his eyes off Jesus. But he was also the guy that was just, he denied Christ and, and he, and he cut the soldier's ear off and Jesus rebuked him. And Jesus is like gluing it back on the side of his head supernaturally. Right. Just like Peter, like, like, would you just, but I'm reminded that we need to have that released in us as men. We need to have that freedom that you're talking about to be the guy that goes, and it gets harder as you get older. I mean, I've been, I've been working through this, of this, uh, like not wanting to fail. I, you know, eight years ago when we started our e-commerce business, I was just like, fail fast. Like we've got to break a bunch of stuff. And then, and then here now I'm just like, Oh, we're launching a new business. It's a property management company and stuff. And, and it's 
like going good. Everybody loves it, but I don't, I'm not having a lot of clients, you know, call the phone yet. And so we're figuring out the marketing and we're figuring out our, our, our value proposition. Do we have the right product to market fit or service offering to market fit and all the things that we do when we start new stuff. And it's just like, I don't want to fail. You know, I don't want to lose, but it's kind of like, who gives a damn? Who yep. gives a rat's ass if I fail at this? Because guess what? God gave me a brain and God gave me a work ethic. And I actually treat people pretty well, I think, I hope. And I'll fi- I'm going to figure it out, right? By God's grace. Like I'm going to. And so like, like we need to be cutting off more ears probably. And we need, but we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. But we for sure need to be getting out of the boat. I mean, we for sure as men with all of, success and all this, all these labels, we just, we need to, we need to be freed up, like freed up, especially I think in this pandemic, last couple of years, man, it's just like, everything is constricting, shut down, suppress, stay home. You know, we need to, we need to spread our wings. Now, what do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, that's so good, man. I mean, so my, you know, I talk to guys about freedom more than anything. I have a coaching academy called the Foundations to Freedom. And, you know, the only way that I could teach it was if I lived it. And so uh, I have gradually been moving more and more into this. And uh, people are probably like rolling their eyes because I talk about it so much. But um, this year was the most, this year has been the most incredible year of my life. And it's not because I've made the most money, um, even though it's been a decent year financially. Um, it's not because we went on any like magnificent vacation, though we've been a lot, you know, some fun localish places. But this is the first year that I have called all my shots. And, and I say that in humility. I don't say that with arrogance. Like I am live under the authority of what God calls me to. I respect my wife and my kids have my priorities in order for the most part. But like I have averaged 30 hours of work of work a week this whole year by yeah. choice. And I play golf almost every Friday with the same group of guys that we have some fun and goof off and test my patience and will in golf. And, um, you know, it's like, this is it. Like I, I, I have crazy goals and ideas for what I want. Like I'm 43. I have some really, really big visions for 50. And so that's all out there and I'm striving and I'm working and I'm pushing and we're together internally as a team, uh, Shannon and I, who works with me, we're working on what 2022 is going to look like and how we're like, all that's there. But at the same time, I just want to live free. And what's been super cool is, is I hired her to come work for me uh, in March of this year. And um, she helps with client engagement, a lot of operation stuff. She works with our vendors. She comes into the office a couple of days a week, but it's been super cool because I have been able to give that gift to her. She is a young new mom and she works from home quite a bit. She comes into the office just a little bit here and there. Um, and so she's getting it too. She's like, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to cut out early and go to Disneyland for the day. And I'm like, go. Or, yeah. you know, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to head out to the river for the week. Okay, go. Or, hey, um, you know, what do we do about the week in between Christmas and New Year's? I'm like, you just, you don't work. Like, we're good. And so I'm trying to, like, extend that gift to people around me. I'm trying to coach people to that gift. It's like, you know, your, your ultimate, like, 
prescription or description of freedom will be different, but I just want people to experience it because that's what we have. That's the, the ultimate gift that we can receive and give to other people is this idea that, you know, with all integrity and principle and value, it's like, I want to do what I want, when I want with the people that I want. And so <laughs> that's what it's all about. Right. And, and, right. and there's, you know, there's give and take and it's not always, you know, totally ideal, but I just, I love it. I love it. And so hearing you, you know, talk about, you know, this has been so much of your pursuit is like, it, it, it's amazing. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, that's great. Well, we're kindred souls, kindred spirits, I think. Um, no, it's so dope. it's a beautiful age. You're, I mean, you're at a beautiful age. We're at a beautiful age because, uh, there's so many, when you're in your thirties and forties, like, like third, really thirties. And then probably most guys into 45 or so, um, you know, they're, they're like locker room, you know, measuring body parts and things. And, <laughs> and it's just like, when you, when you finally go through enough stuff, um, experience some loss, whether it's losses in business, financial losses, you know, losing a, a parent like I have, losing an uncle who is like my best friend, who stood up for me in my wedding, like a second father. Um, you know, you realize like I, we're not getting out of here. It's cliche, but we're not getting out of here with any of this stuff. We ought to figure out how to enjoy it. And, and so, but we want to win and we want to, we want to accumulate some things so that we can go where we want, when we want, with whom we want, whenever we want. Mm -hmm. I don't know that the accumulation of things, but, but gathering up some assets or gathering up some passive income, you know, all the things uh, it's all of that is so that we can have autonomy and freedom. And I mean, that's, that's how I'm wired. And I think, I think most of us, if we're honest with ourselves and we get out of the pre-programmed doctrine, you know, that we've been given most of our lives, um, that we would, we would recognize that's all we really want, you know? Yep. Yeah. No, all that stuff is, is, you know, they're just means to an end, right? It's yeah. like, they're just allowing us to do all the things that we've been created to do. It, that's it's right. amazing. All right. So land in the plane there. I think that was so good. I think ultimately what I heard is go live as the free man that you were created to be. I just, I, I right. love it, man. I, I appreciate you, JD. Um, you know, we, we had, I don't know, 12, 15 minutes tops, you know, in Nashville to chit chat. I can't wait. I, I know that we're going to get to do it again in March. And um, I'm, I'm so looking forward to that, but I, I loved this too. And I, I love that I got to know you better, which is super cool. It just, it makes more sense of why we connected so well. I know that this is going to just so bless and encourage other other men out there that are listening or wives, which I have quite a few of those too. And I don't, I have one, but uh, that are, <laughs> that are listening, <laughs> that are listening, but you know, and they get to go share this with their husbands. And so I just, I think that there was a lot of wisdom gleaned. Uh, and again, uh, you know, as I try to say, you know, and I, and I know JD, you would agree, you know, it's like, we're not trying to tell people how to live their lives. We're trying to give people a picture of what life is possible for them by them creating, you know, their version version of it. So I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for being on. It's just, it's been awesome. Yeah. I appreciate the time. Get glad to get to know you better as well. And, and I look forward to the next time. Yeah. There's going to be more for sure. There's going to be more. <laughs> 
All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of Authentic Conversations. As always, if you have any feedback, I'll make sure to put contact information for JD in the show notes. You know where to find me if you need me. And in the meantime, be you, be happy, be authentic. Peace. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.